Oh, Liberty can dish it out, but you can't take it, huh? I didn't dish, and I'm not a geek, JT dork. Oh, them's fighting words. You want fighting words? Okay, sucky baby. Poor sport. Priss face, goody two shoes. You don't even know me. You don't know one true thing about me. You want one true thing, Liberty? You're boring. B-O-R-I-N-G. I'm stunned. JT spelled a word. You want another one? Fun. F-U-N. Something you wouldn't know if it came up and bit you in the butt. Fun enough for you. Welcome to All About Degrassi, the podcast where we alone have the courage to proudly and ignorantly swerve wildly out of our lane for the next hour. We're gonna be swerving out of our lane, but we're gonna try our best to be cool. Don't worry, everyone. We're gonna try and be cool. Oof. This is a hard watch. Uh, how, how, do, how are you feeling? <laughs> I was crying, um, and then I distracted myself. I was working on some video projects, so that distracted me. <laughs> but I, I was definitely crying by the end of uh, this viewing experience. Um, I guess just blanket... I, I guess there's a blanket trigger warning for this whole podcast, just yeah. because Degrassi does go there. Yeah, con content warning for this whole episode is that uh, sexual assault yes so um if you do not want to hear about this this is your warning yeah you could skip this one we're not gonna of course make any jokes uh that are at the victim's expense but that's not what we do here but that's, no we might make some jokes uh about the side plots and if it's uncomfortable for you to you know hear joking alongside some of this heavy subject matter yeah maybe this episode's just not for you yeah, I mean, we were very uncomfortable. I, I don't know, but I can't speak for you, I guess, but I was very uncomfortable having these subplots next to this very heavy main plot. Yeah, I guess I was glad they were there because otherwise it would have been pretty hard. <laughs> and we wouldn't really have anything to talk about just because the one thing I will say is I think both these episodes are great. Hmm. They're, they're really well done, I thought. Scene by scene, I thought the writing was above average for what we've been seeing on Degrassi. I have I have complicated feelings. Okay, <laughs> I have complicated let's hear it. Feelings. Um, should we go? Oof. Do you want to get into your broader feelings first, or should we get to it when we get there in the plot? I think okay. So some of it I think I have to tackle right now. Okay, because, let's let's do it. Okay, so first I guess I guess I'm just sort of struggling, and this is sort of the issue with not the issue, but sort of like the the the, compl the complex nature of Degrassi is its status as like edutainment. Yes, and you know it's straddling this line between something that is educational and sort of has a, a lesson to teach uh to its audience and then also as like something that is supposed to be entertainment yes you know? um and these two things have very different intents and purposes for audiences right yeah you you i guess inherently are running the risk of sensationalizing things and yeah know. well and also like having you know it's like how do you package a lesson like i don't know like what is how effective is this as like for teaching kids and i don't i don't know i don't i don't have the answer to that is who this is hmm, this is maybe a bigger thought but I, I i think maybe if there is a lack of sort of learning moments in this individual episode what i appreciate about degrassi sometimes is they respect their characters and they say this has happened to the character so it's going to affect that character down the road mm -hmm. and i think in that regard they do a really good job of coming back to this storyline once or twice and on top of that having Paige grow from it here and in the future so so that's what i will say that i i think works about this yeah i so, well, well i want to get back to that point at some point yeah. in this episode but um i guess sort of like you know, it's just like, how do you straddle this line between education and entertainment? And like, how do you blend these two successfully? Because again, they are such different, they have such different end goals. Like one is to entertain, one is to educate. These are different, these are different goals. And I think of an episode like the season two premiere, which was when Doves Cry, which is the Craig episode. Yes. And I feel like that is one that is certainly has, like it is, sh it is shedding light on an issue, which is, you know, abuse but like it does so in a way that is less like didactic and it's approach it's not quite as like hmm. here's a like a, it doesn't feel like quite as teachable as like a teachable moment i guess I, I hear what you're saying and i guess for me personally i wasn't as bothered by the is this a good 
teachable moment for for its young audience. Like, I guess I was less hung up on that on this particular viewing, but I see what you're saying. I I think maybe there is less of a like. Is there a lesson, though, for either of these stories sort of with Craig's abuse and with this case of of sexual abuse? um, It's like both of them are just like portraying a victim trying to make sense of the things that are happening to them. I guess, okay, I guess we'll just have to delve into the, the We gotta talk proper, about the plot. We just yeah. gotta talk about yeah. it. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we're gonna talk it out. We're gonna talk it out, which uh, is what, spoiler alert, Paige learns she needs to do at the end of this episode. <laughs> yeah, so the episode we are covering, which is our first uh, Paige-centric episode. Is that true? Yeah, for the for the A-plot, yeah. That's wild. Okay. I know. Yeah, that's, which is why it's also, uh, it's fraught. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to it. Um, but, uh, so these are epi- season two, episode seven and eight. Shout, named after the song by Tears for Fears. Which is an interesting choice as the episode title, uh, which I did a little research, um, and I, lis- I re-listened to the song whenever I was doing my notes for this. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, how did did you feel like the song connected in any particular way? It does. It's interesting because the song, uh, according to I forget uh, the band member's name, but he said it was he had written it as like a protest song. Wow. Um, but the song lyrics are more like like he wrote it as a protest song or like sort of like a call to arms, but. It also works as this like, expression of repressed trauma, which I think a lot of yeah. people think of the song as. So it's an interesting choice. Okay. Um, usually, sometimes the episode title, you're like, I don't really know how this connects. But this one is kind of on the nose. Sure. Can I say one thing that I did like about getting this page-centric episode is we got to spend a lot more time with her best friend, Hazel, who I thought was really fantastic in both of these episodes. She's great. She's really good with the emotional beats in episode one, and then in the second uh, of the two-parter, her her comedy is awesome. Every time she sings in that episode, I'm I'm on the floor laughing. It's so fun. Yeah, Hazel, a, a perennially uh, underused character. In and this. I would say this is maybe her best episode for that reason, <laughs> because she almost never gets anything to do. Yeah, so this episode, it opens with, um, oh, also, I would just like to say, if you watch this episode on HBO Max, the thumbnail is, uh, for the first part, is uh, JT in a clown wig. Ooh, very misleading. (laughs) That does um, technically happen. That is a screenshot from this episode. It's like, oh, that is is not the subject matter. Oh, you want to know who's a clown? The guy over at HBO Max who picked that thumbnail, am I right? So this episode opens with a soccer match between the Degrassi Panthers and the rival team from Bardell. From Bardell. Bardell. I was going to ask. I couldn't yes. remember. And they um, wear, oh, what I do remember is they wear red. They wear red. Maroon. <laughs> Mar- it's a maroon. It's mm-hmm. a darker red. Yes. Uh, and meanwhile, Paige and the Spirit Squad are cheering from the sidelines, which is funny because I've never heard of a soccer game having cheerleaders. <laughs> Well, you know, it's it's Canada, you know, they don't have football, so they have to, well, do they call soccer football there? Yeah, that's a good question. Do they call, no, they call football they, soccer there, I think. Do they? Or do they call it football and then, you know, they call American football. American, American football. football. Okay. I, I don't know. I, Canadians right in. Yeah, please. We have we have people engaging with us on the Degrassi Instagram, but none of them are Canadian from what I can tell. So yeah. we need we need some Canadian followers. Yeah. DM us what you know, Canadian. The rest of our, you know, followers, we love you. We love we you. We want to hear from Canadians. We love you. We just need your we need the expertise of the Canadians. <laughs> so Spinner, uh, who is playing in the soccer game, he scores the winning goal. But Paige only has eyes for Dean, the rugged upperclassman on the opposing team from Bardell. Now, he's a famous actor, right? Is he not? Is he? He is. I'm going to double check, but I believe he was in the Twilight movies. <gasps> was he really? I think he's one of the um, vampire boys. <gasps> Wait, or a really? werewolf? No, he's a vampire. Wait, look. really? I did not know. <laughs> I should have done more research. <laughs> well, no, get, keep going while I look it up. Yeah, so, uh, well, do, do we, I mean, do we want to say, I was going to say about this casting choice, it's, a, it, it's good casting. Um, he's he, only, he's a good actor. He looks, what is the part? He looks the part, I guess. Uh, so yeah, so I mean, this, this is not a very demanding role, but as far as like the physicality, like it's good casting because he looks like a very grown man, but um, yes. he's only two years older than Lauren Collins, who is Paige's actress. Uh, so it feels like there's a lot, you know, he feels a lot older than her, even if he isn't. So, which makes him a much more threatening character. 
And I also think, so first of all, I want to say that the pre-credits, like just page watching the soccer game, I think that's just really well shot. And it's like kind of, there are words, but there's no dialogue. You're just hearing people kind of shouting things. Yeah. And I think it's like really good sort of visual storytelling that we know right away what's happening, especially because we know that Paige and Spinner have this kind of past that's on and off again. Right. Well, we're getting a real inversion of the female gaze with Paige, you know, making eyes at Dean. Okay. I'm, I'm learning that the guy who plays Dean was not in Twilight. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. I was like, this is a real uh, he is, blind spot for he, my research. He is an X-Men. He is Rogue's boyfriend who gets kissed and he gets his energy sucked out in the first scene. That, that did happen. He was in that one scene. <laughs> and he's in Triple uh, X, The Return of Xander Cage. Mm. he's in mm. he's in stuff oh he's on this show sometimes he's on this show <laughs> he's in something i'll figure it out uh so after the game spinner asks Paige out on a date and she very reluctantly agrees but she then takes the opportunity to chat up dean who invites her to a party the same night she's supposed to have a date with spinner what will she do yeah first of all been there Am I right? <laughs> oh, I got so many dates. Which which date am I going to go on? Oh, my yeah. gosh. So some relatable content for me. It is, uh, you know, it is interesting because her and Spinner are sort of in this, like, uh, ambiguous, you know, they've not, they're not official, but they've definitely been expressed interest in one another since season one. I thought they were official for a second. Well, it's, it was. Because yeah. remember, she, she, like, stole her, she, she stole him from Terry. Yeah, but it's not <laughs> quite. I don't think they ever make it official official. Okay. It's sort of just like, it, it, honestly, it's kind of like mature. We're like, oh, we're not like dating. We're just sort of like both interested in each other. You know what? And we ethically non-monogamous. <laughs> yeah. I love it. <laughs> exactly. Um, so we go to this side plot, which is fucking yeah. Toby and uh, okay. JT having an odd couple locker situation. Yeah, it's a very odd couple's uh, B-plot. And um, yeah, Toby is sick of sharing a locker with JT because JT is a total slob. And, He's so messy. Um, <laughs> this is bad and dumb, but I did think I liked the part where because um, uh, Ryan Cooley as JT is dressed in his mascot costume. And when Toby's getting really mad at him, he kind of like grabs it. He grabs JT by the neck and shakes him a little. And JT goes, oh, humane society, <laughs> which that really oh, made me laugh. That was, that was good. <laughs> that was a good joke. Yeah, that's also where he wears his uh, clown wig. And, and he puts the clown wig he on puts there. It on the clown wig. Um, and honestly, like hat on a hat, JT. We don't need the clown wig. You're already dressed as a panther. I, I don't. <laughs> Got to learn to edit. Okay. So Paige and Hazel are clothes shopping for the party the next day when Paige gets a text from Spinner. And so she cancels on him and tells him her grandma is in the hospital, which is a terrible excuse to make. It's so specific. You know, you could say my aunt is in town and I didn't know. So I have to have family dinner. And then and then you have an out. If you bump into him later, you're like, oh, she left early. So I got to go out to this party. Like, think. Page. Right. It's like it's like the top shelf excuse. It's like, why are you reaching for that? There are so many other excuses that are not so desperate. And so many other excuses that don't have a bunch of follow up questions attached. Or don't put like bad energy out into the universe. And <laughs> yeah, like what happens when your grandma does go to the hospital page? It's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you're, you're going to feel bad. Yeah. I mean, it's not as bad saying like she died because you can only use that one once but yeah. um you know <laughs> well uh, not if you have a very like I, polygamist grandpa you could just be like oh, yeah my yeah, grandma's keep got iron. grandma number one yeah <laughs> she's down but grandma number two is still kicking um so spinner is super bummed but he takes this news in stride he's um, polite about it yeah yeah also i liked this canadian blockbuster they were in yeah i liked his fake phone <laughs> Was it fake? I didn't. Get it was literally it. his phone. So it's okay. So it's a flip phone. Yeah. So you flip it, and like the top half is like your screen, obviously. Uh -huh. And the screen, you can see through it. Like, oh, there's just like, a there's hole? like a little window where you can just like where like you know you'd have like the display when you shut it, and it just like sees like transparent. So it's like there's no top half to this. They just took off part of the phone, and they kept I, using it as a prop. And I yeah, <laughs> uh, which is funny. That is that is funny <laughs> to me. Which is, which is very amusing to me. Uh, but again, Spinner takes this news in stride. He's very mature about the whole situation. Um, meanwhile, Paige and Hazel show up to the party and are very overdressed, but they are serving. They so. look really cute. Yeah, it's very, it's very Y2K. Very Y2K. 
Now, I want to say, Dean greets them at the door, and when he sort of invited them to the party when he was screaming at the bus, he, he was charming, you know? Like, his first impression was very neutral with a little bit of charm. Mm. Now, when he opens the door, red flag number one. I, I'm not so much bothered by him calling her spirit, because, okay, like, give pet names to people that you, like, are, enjoy the company of. Sure, fine. Yeah. What I don't like is when he calls Hazel friend, like, not his friend. He, he refers to her as friend because it's like, oh, you're friend of spirit. That was a big red flag for me. Mm, well, I mean, it just gets to the sense that it's like, oh, you don't really want to get to know these girls. He doesn't um, want to get to know them. He doesn't respect them as people. And honestly, it, it made me feel weird. Yeah, it's, it's patronizing. Even the nickname, like, again, like, obviously it's fine to have nicknames, but, like, their context matters, It's patronizing. Right? And it's, it feels yeah. a little patronizing. But um, Paige is very quick to put on the moves. On, put the moves on Dean uh, regardless. And yeah. it's pretty cringy. <laughs> it is. What does she go up and start talking about? They're talking music? about Electro Slash? Is so that strange. the genre? Which I don't know what Electro Slash is. I don't think is. that's real. Um, I... I, if, if it's real, let us know. Um, also, I think this is maybe the last time ever in media that someone refers to, like, electronic music as techno. It's like, techno's from the, like, mid-90s, right? <laughs> I'm not I'm not the expert. And Electro is from even earlier than that. Isn't Electro from, like, 80s? Oh, you're asking wrong. All right. I am not a music scholar. <laughs> um, but uh, I don't know. I Please send us your Electro slash Spotify playlist. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's just, I don't know. It's very clear from this scene. And this is what the scene's trying to accomplish. Is like, she's very out of her depth. And, yes. like, she's trying to be a smooth operator. And it's like, oh, you are clearly a child yeah. you know trying to and these are all to be clear these are all uh, children ostensibly like they're all yeah, in high school it's hard to remember that but uh you know it just shows like sort of like the gulf in maturity that can exist between you know even someone who's just like a few years older than someone else like he's you know a junior or senior and she's a freshman and yet it just feels like oh there's a huge disparity between these two yeah, ooh, this party is getting bad because uh, Hazel comes over and she sees that Jimmy and Spinner have arrived at the party because, well, Spinner didn't have any plans. He ended up at the party. Mm -hmm. And she goes over to warn Paige and Paige, like, kind of is shooing her away, which is also a bad sign. Like, if you don't trust the person you're trying to, like, have a romantic moment enough to, like, let you talk to your friend for a second, then, like, he doesn't respect you. Get the fuck out of there. Yeah, and so she asked Dean if they can get some privacy somewhere. Yes. And so he takes her up to he takes her upstairs to a bedroom where they kiss. Things are okay, but then things very quickly escalate despite Paige's protests. Yes. And then they're on the bed and he pulls out a condom and it's sort of her, it, you hear it and it sort of pans over to we pan the to the window, window. we yeah. do a window pan but it's very upsetting it's like very haunting to because lauren collins just by the way give her all the acting awards for this she's so good it's very haunting to hear her like crying out for help and just know like yeah at that party no one would hear her it's very upsetting yeah i mean the rape scene is as far as like staging a rape scene like it's handled tactfully it's as tasteful i think and I, I think that is, like, the learning aspect of it, is I do think that maybe this scene is, like, hey, maybe sexual assault isn't as sensational as some of the, like, portrayals that you've seen in media. Sometimes it's just someone not respecting someone's wishes, and, you know, it's not like, it's not like he drugged her. It's not like she, he even, like, got her really drunk, you know? It's like he just saw an opportunity, and he was more powerful than her in that moment, and he abused that power, and it's like... I do think that is how these things happen. So I kind of appreciated that moment as horrible as it was. Yeah, I do think, I, I, I don't know, I just want your thoughts. Because so we don't see like what happens after this because the next scene yeah, is, is the, the next, next day. day. It cuts yeah. the next day. And I feel like it's kind of sort of an auto mission to not sort of have like the, see like the fall, the immediate fallout from this. Well, I'm curious because Hazel, do they not go home together? We don't, we don't know. We don't know what happens. When they talk, when they talk next though, is, is there a mention of them going home together? That is a gap. So it's, it almost seems like they left separately. Like maybe Paige just ran out and left Hazel there. That's yeah, my Yeah, I, I mean, we, we don't know. Yeah. And we don't really see how 
you know, how Dean acts after this has gone down. We don't... That's we, true, too. We don't Does see he how, just go down and party? Does he well, go yeah, make out with another girl? We don't see how paid... We don't see how they interact following this moment. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. It just seems like an odd omission, I guess, from a storytelling perspective. Well, could it be speaking to the fact that, you know, sometimes when we dissociate, we kind of, like, hold on to certain moments more and, like, maybe we don't remember the exact moment after a trauma? Actually, I, I don't know. I kind of relate to that. Possibly. Maybe. Possibly. Maybe, uh, I'll give the writers the benefit of the doubt because I do think the script is good this week. So someone was doing their job. Mm, I, Dude, you don't like it? <laughs> <laughs> um, we're, we're, we're getting there. Okay. Uh, we're getting, we're, we're going to get through this somehow. Um, so, yeah, the next day we see Paige and she's out on the bleachers and she's looking very forlorn. Mm hmm. And she acts very cagey when Hazel and Terry are asking for more details. Uh, though she does eventually tell Hazel that she and Dean had sex. Um, well, she says they went upstairs together. She says they went upstairs together and they did more. And then later, yeah, later on, and then, she says we didn't just kiss. And it. we didn't just kiss. And Hazel's like, you mean, you know, and, and, you know, Paige sort of confirms with silence and, yeah. you know, and so at this point, the story is that it was a consensual act and on top of that jimmy overhears this in the hallway yes and of course no one can keep a secret at the school so i think he's probably gonna go tell spinner about that in a minute but mm -hmm. yeah i do think what's an interesting aspect of the scene between hazel and Paige, where Paige does say like you know Paige eventually tells her that you know they had sex or at least that's the story at this point yes is that they had sex and, and I almost think at this point she, like, kind of believes it because she wants to. It, well, that's what I was going to say is, like, it's kind of, there's a compelling choice to have, like, Paige is still sort of, kind of wants him to want her. Like, she kind of still wants. so. On a level. Well, because she's, she, he's, she's saying, like, oh, he didn't even text me back. He didn't even, he, you know, she sort of, like, feels hurt that, like, he hasn't texted her and that, like, it's, like, you know, it's, it's like she's still sort of preoccupied with this fantasy that she wants to fulfill. And it's almost like that is like the childish reaction is like, oh, he didn't call me back. And it's like she needs to feel that because if she feels the adult reaction, which is something really horrible just happened to me, then it's almost like her childhood is like leaving her right there. Right. You know? I mean, well, it's a it's a result of her. She's she hasn't processed what's happened to her. Yes. And so that's why she's still is sort of stuck on this like, well, he hasn't called me back. Oh, um, that sort of disappointment feeling. So... <laughs> going from that we're oh back in our incredibly forgettable <laughs> b plot so okay toby has drawn clear boundaries well we the one thing i will say is we skipped over them making the food in the kitchen which was one of the most disgusting things i've ever well, seen well and also why why did that scene exist there was no purpose well it the end of the scene is i'm gonna be a better friend to you and then that's not what happens in the next scene yeah so i'm curious so if like was that supposed to be the end of the episode and they moved it, it i don't was very confusing well I, I mean toby looks pretty perturbed yeah. during that scene so it's like no this is just i don't know what this is doing i guess it's comedic relief did you notice know. what toby said he said you're putting marshmallows in kd I had to look at this with the what subtitles. Is KD? What is KD? I will give you a fucking thousand dollars if you can tell me what KD is. Is it mac and cheese? It is mac and cheese, but what's it mean? Craft Deli? Dinner! Oh. <laughs> that was your one guess. <laughs> it, it was craft Dinner. I and I had to Google for like 15 minutes to figure out what the fuck KD was. Okay, you know, I think actually in the previous episode... I when I typed in KD, Kevin Durant just came up. <laughs> <laughs> Different, the other KD. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I think in the previous episode, Joey referred to mac and cheese as craft Dinner too. He did, he did. Now that it's all falling into place. Is that a Canadian thing? I guess so. Canadians, do you call Kraft macaroni and cheese Kraft dinner? Or is that just like an old, like, did they do that here too? Is that I what they know. used to call I've it? I've never heard it. All right. But well, scholars remain divided. <laughs> um, um, so Toby has drawn clear boundaries between his and JT's halves of their locker. And JT is annoyed by this, and then he cuts Toby's sweatshirt when he finds out. The it's two dangling over. Yeah, because it's like, yeah, it's like, it's like, oh, it's technically in my half, so I'm going to cut off your sweatshirt sleeve. And then the two of them have a little baby fight. Oh, yeah, that was funny. <laughs> yeah, it was like, like a little, a little yeah. slap fight in the hallway, um, which is, is amusing. It's pretty funny. Um, and then Principal Radich lectures them about cooperation. And then we didn't even talk about the whole reason they're sharing a locker is because of the 
the high school being merged overcrowded they're overcrowded yeah um and so they have they why would they volunteer these two boys they're best friends and they thought they could do it it's like when you move in with a roommate and your best friend as a roommate and you're like oh Mm. we've got this we love each other (laughs) we can we can live together and then you realize oh no <laughs> i need to go home when no. i'm done talking to you <laughs> um i guess i the one thing i will say that i liked is i do appreciate the trope of the dividing the personal space in half with a line lucy did it every sitcom has done it since there's always an episode where they like put a string or a piece of tape down the middle of the apartment and they're mm. like and it's this like, is my side right that's your side and it's like this clearly is not a long-term solution no <laughs> nice good good for you trying it out and it's also a great uh, metaphor for the berlin wall so there we go <laughs> that's great yeah <laughs> which what uh, uh, between jt and who toby who's communist okay so i think jt is obviously communist oh yeah don't you think I don't think he's authoritarian, but I do think he has kind of a like oh, no, live I, and let live, like oh, let's no. share our Toby's, resources vibe. No, Toby's <laughs> definitely West Germany, and I don't know. I mean, JT's definitely West Germany, and Toby's definitely the Eastern Bloc. Okay, I think I disagree. Yeah. <laughs> well, hmm. <laughs> moving on. <laughs> okay, so yeah, Principal Raj lectures them about cooperation, and then JT, you know, in a really. Uh, uh, selfless act offers to let Toby cut his shirt, his shirt sleeve, so they're even and things are back to the status quo. Um, it was kind of funny when he kicked Toby's shirt sleeve into the trash. That kind of made me laugh. I he, like okay. drop kicked it. Okay, I, I, I mean, I just really this is like of all the inconsequential subplots, this is <laughs> easily one of the most. This is up there. I guess, like, I don't know. I also just, like, lockers were never that important at my school. Like, we didn't take... Did you take a lot of pride in your locker at school? No, I had, like, three South Park magnets in there, and I think that was about it. <laughs> okay, you, you at least decorated it. I mean, I didn't even, like... Well, I, it was to, like, hold reminders and right, stuff. Right, 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 right. <laughs> I just feel like... Like growing up, I always like had this like fancy of like oh your you know your locker that's like your your safe space and your your sanction you get to like de- decorate and stuff and it's like I just didn't have that relationship with my locker at all when I actually no. got one. In fact, I don't even think I had one for most of school. I remember next to my locker there was a kid's locker and his locker combination was really easy to remember and everyone found it out. So sometimes like older kids would just come by and open it up because they knew they could and they would just close it and leave. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty It innocuous. was like I'm telling you like every like kids would walk up to this kid and they would be like, "Your locker combination is 47377." <laughs> I still remember it. <laughs> wow. Well, that's like, I mean, I guess it's kind of like, just like a threat. Like, oh, we know your locker combination. Yeah. Did he not change it? I don't, I think it could only be changed once a year. Uh, oh. I think well, if, I think if someone requested shitty. a change, then sure. But like, I, I don't think he was kind of a, a pushover. Huh. If you, if you can't tell from the yeah, story. Yeah, that, that, that checks out. Um, all right. So we're back. I to used the to open it too sometimes. It was pretty fun. <laughs> You're part of the problem. It was fun. Come on. We didn't do anything. We didn't put anything in mm. there. <laughs> you can put like a, a rotten banana. And then one time in gym class, they had a dial lock and there was only four of the of the numbers. So I was like, it wouldn't take me that long to just try every single combination. And luckily, the combination was in the thousands. So I figured it out after like a month. I, I just moved it I, literally one at a time. <laughs> oh, my God. Why? I don't know. I was a kid. <laughs> oh, my God. Get a hobby. <laughs> I had many hobbies, but I was also at school, and they wouldn't let me play with my Nintendo. Mm. So this is what I did. That's tragic. <laughs> I guess I'll just break into vaults. Yeah. <laughs> it's sad that I, I guess never I'll became... Just have, I guess I'll just start a heist. I wish I had become a safecracker or, like, a heist person. That would be nice. Mm. Mm. I could see you doing it. I'd be good at it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay, back to the A plot. So Jimmy reveals to Spinner that Paige lied mm-hmm. and hooked up with Dean at the party when they were supposed to have their date. And Spinner eventually confronts Paige about this. <sighs> this was hard. Which leads, yeah, to a very heated exchange when he grabs her arm and she tells him not to touch her. And he says, why not? Everyone else does. And then she slaps him. I would. I just, I, I was very amused though. That I was like, only Degrassi 
Could this interaction occur? And literally no one in the hallway bats an eye. Well, I think I think the thing is there's slap fights happening in the background all the time. It's just with the, the characters yeah, whose names we This episode is very... There's a lot of just like public disputes happening. Very like a lot of physical altercations happening. Oh, and in the next one with Paige and Ashley as well. Okay, we'll get into that. Yeah, there's a lot. Um, a lot of public outbursts. Uh, so Hazel finds Paige very distraught in the bathroom. Okay, washroom. Sorry. In the washroom, the of washroom. course. My bad. And Paige admits that she did not want to have sex with Dean, and he forced her to. And Hazel tells her, and the audience by proxy, yes, that what happened to her was rape. And Hazel tells her she needs to see a doctor, and that she has to tell an authority figure, all of which Paige disregards. Well, that is kind of a good teaching moment though right is like maybe it's going to take your friend to realize what happened to you I, th I think that is a good moment and again the acting in this scene from both of these these girls is really really good I thought they they nailed it yeah I guess hmm, this is where we get into my issues with this because I feel like I, I don't think teenagers talk like this right and it's like when Hazel is telling all this to Paige it's like oh she, like this is where it's like oh this is where she's actually telling the teenage viewing audience that needs to hear this lesson. Sure. Rather than talking to, like, a, you know, a character. You know, these are not two characters talking to each other okay. in this universe. This is a character, you know, telling the audience if, you know, it's, you know, and then we get the, P, you know, cue the PSA where, like, if someone you know has been sexually assaulted, call this not, you know, it feels... I mean, that's the after-school special nature of it. And right. I, I don't think we can escape that. Yeah, it's just, like, it's very didactic which isn't necessary i don't necessarily think that's bad like I, obviously i think the intentions of this are noble and i think you know this probably does you know have value to like audiences who may not otherwise be hearing this information you know especially when like <laughs> i don't know if you think about this the state of sexual education and america it's you know it's still firmly in the claws of puritans who do not want to talk about these things yeah. So, I mean, I guess for that reason, I'm glad Degrassi exists, even if this is kind of an imperfect. I think I think its heart is in the right place and what it's trying to tell to its audience. But maybe it's not super. Elegant. Yeah, I guess I just wonder. And I wasn't a teenager when this episode aired. So I, I guess I just wonder, like, how teens, how receptive teens were to this at the time, because I feel like this is long after the like the golden age of the after school special which was like the 80s mm -hmm. and early 90s yeah. and even after like the very special episodes that you'd have in shows mm -hmm. i guess i just wonder like were people just like were audiences just sort of like anesthetized to this by this point like was were they receptive that's interesting because uh, you are on you're on to something in the sense that the very special episode thing this kind of plot would be reserved to that and i guess I guess in some ways this is a very special episode of Degrassi, and I think there's a couple that would maybe qualify as that. But yeah, it, I wonder if because we as a society are are like accustomed to those, yeah, maybe there is a desensitization. So now it's no longer after school special; it's just regular drama well, but it has this teaching still attached to it well or even like i don't know like i feel like is this like would this exchange sort of like i really like, you know a lot of these sort of types of exchanges like were this sort of like fodder for like mockery by this point because we kind of like knew i feel like by this point a lot of teenagers again i wasn't one at this time but i feel like we get it you're young yeah it's like <laughs> i'm just a little <laughs> baby um but like i feel like we sort of like knew we're all so familiar with these tropes. We're like, oh yeah, this is the moment where they tell us the lesson of the day. You know, I don't know. I just wonder how, like, would, were you, I mean, you were like the target audience at this time. Like, were you yeah. receptive to these? You know, I think there was probably a two or three year period where I wasn't sure if I liked Degrassi or not. I was just watching it. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times I was watching it to like clown on it or dunk on it. I, don't, I wouldn't watch this episode and clown on it or dunk on it though. I'd be like, I'd either watch it and just sort of have it wash over me passively because I'm a millennial and that's how I consume media. <laughs> or I would be like, oh, I don't want to watch this episode. It's kind of heavy. I can't clown on right. it, so I'm going to change it. Right. So I, I, I think that was generally my reaction is like, I, I recognize that this was a different episode, like mood wise. Whereas I will say the set and maybe we should just get into the second episode because I think some of these thoughts will like come to a natural conclusion where when we see where the story goes. But mm -hmm. 
I I do think the second episode is I don't want to say it's more fun, but it it is an easier watch. It's a little more entertaining. And I think the musical aspect really does something for me. I I love a musical episode on Degrassi. So I I find it interesting that they chose to pair a musical episode with something so like heavy. I think the second half benefits from being again like less didactic in its approach. Like it's it's a little less like talking to the audience. And this is you know the this is the takeaway. Um, yeah, I will say to the point about uh, Degrassi's sort of plays in this canon of like after school specials and very special episodes. I feel like. To Degrassi's credit, and what sets it apart from those is, like, so with after-school specials, this was, like, you know, like, made-for-TV movies yeah. that were, you know, aired, you know, around, like, 4 p.m. Um, on a school day. And it's, like, that is a very short amount of time to sort of spend with characters, and these characters are limited by, like, the moral you're trying to teach for this special. And, like, that, like the, this exists just for these characters to learn this specific lesson. And, that and then is, you'll never see them again. And you'll never see them yeah. again. And then with very special episodes, you know, like I think of uh, there's an episode of Full House where DJ, she has like an eating disorder. She develops one and it's only for this one episode. And then, you know, it's it's taken seriously. And they're like, well, this is, you know, you know, you're, you know, experiencing anorexia nervosa. And this is, you know, why you shouldn't like and she like and it's all resolved within this one special episode. And then we move on to, you know, I don't know, the the Olsen twins being insufferable. Yes. <laughs> right. You know, and it's like. Whereas Degrassi has the benefit of, you know, being a serialized television show. So it's like you get, you're building arcs, right? And like you said earlier, this episode, not to spoil future events, but like this does come up in the future. Yeah, this doesn't just go away. Yeah. And this isn't, I appreciate and this because I think that's, I think that's more realistic. Right. And right. I think sort of the pain that Paige is going through, especially at the end of these two episodes, is kind of realizing that this isn't just the one night, you know, this is going to stay with me and this is something I just have to deal with. Right. And this isn't something that is wrapped up in, you know, a half hour or even two half hour episodes. Yeah. It's like this is, you know, so we're building towards something and this is just one part of that journey. So I think to Degrassi's credit, I think it is able to handle these themes in a more nuanced fashion, if not the most nuanced fashion. <laughs> so with that, huh. I think we could dive into part two i think we gotta dive into part two let's go take a break we're gonna take a breather if you're listening at home this is heavy shit you should take a breather too yeah take a sip we're gonna come back and we're gonna talk about the slightly lighter and more enjoyable episode two of shout we'll see you in a moment so we are on part two of shout no new song same song same song (laughs) Uh, which opens with a very unsettling sequence in which Paige is in the bathroom and Dean comes in and he's berating her and he's like pinning her against the sink. Well, it's sort of scarier than that because he doesn't come in. He's just there. Right. Which is dream logic. And I I thought this scene was really effective. It was scary. Yeah. And I mean, it's all revealed to be just a nightmare, of course, but it's pretty effective for what it's trying to do. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've had this dream, but like not with this specific uh, type of bad person in my life. But, you know, it's like, oh, shit, this person I'm kind of scared of and maybe I should be, maybe I shouldn't be. He's like back in my life. And like, what am I going to do about it? Yeah. I mean, it's effective at getting us a glimpse into her state of mind, which is which is good. And I again, we appreciate that there are sort of real emotional. If you're going to tell this story, you know, talk about the actual emotional consequences of it. Right. So... It's and then segue into Battle of the Bands. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> which is an interesting uh, plot device for an episode like this. But I love a Battle of I, the Bands. Any fucking Battle of the Bands in a high school show. I'm so excited. <laughs> uh, so at school, Terry tells Paige about a contest where the winning band gets a trip to L.A. Uh, oh, this is what I, this is the good shit to me. When when these Canadians talk about L.A., it's so adorable. Yeah, they have such a rose colored view of it. Yeah. Speaking as to Angelinos, um, <laughs> I mean, LA is a dump, but it's our dump. It's our dump. Yeah. I we love our dump. We live in our dump. <laughs> we love it. Well, uh, <laughs> I, I love parts well, of it. Um, so pa- Terry suggests to Paige that PMS, that is Paige, Michael, Chuck, and, and the sex kittens. And the sex kittens. Even um, though there's a bunch of other letters in the middle there. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they get back together and enter the contest. Only this time, they'll be replacing Ashley with Hazel. 
who in a very funny moment just breaks into song and, and she's she like doing like this. weird like old renaissance music or something she's doing, she's doing amazing grace it's amazing grace <laughs> that old renaissance tune yeah amazing that's grace. probably from the renaissance right <laughs> they loved jesus during the re- renaissance yeah yeah and um she which i i, I it's you know what it's kind of a disservice to uh hazel to make her like a bad singer because her actress andrea lewis can actually sing. Oh, really? Yeah, and you can, there's, I mean, there's a sense, del- it's been deleted, but there was a YouTube video where she was singing, and I remember this from years ago. Oh. And, um, like, she's a, she can sing. Well, that and- is unfortunate, but I, I, again, I just think <laughs> no, it's really it's funny. No, it's very funny. It's, it's really so funny. funny. It's and she does these, like, very screechy arpeggios, uh, later on in the episode. It's kind of, although you can kind of tell, it's sort of that, like, Hollywood way of making someone a bad singer, where it's like, oh, they're, like, very, like, obviously trying to sound bad, mm-hmm. but it's like, you can actually, even though she's clearly trying to go out of her way to sound bad, you can actually tell that she can sing. Because it's yeah. like, she'll there's hit control. some notes. Like there's, <laughs> there's control. And it's like, oh, it's like controlled chaos is what you're doing. So you can, you can see through the trick, but it's still very funny. Um, we go to poetry class. <laughs> Ms. Kwan's poetry class. Where Terry recites her terrible poem it's with, a really bad poem. with her it's like it's like spoon moon june rhymes <laughs> yeah. like like she really like Paige says it very she's very appropriate when she says it sounds like a rhyming dictionary um, yeah and you know i'm not a big spinner fan but when he says her poem smells like poo <laughs> and then it rhymes it's pretty funny <laughs> i laugh pretty funny spinner and reader i laugh <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but then Ashley's got a fucking poem, okay. doesn't she? So Ashley, who still looks like a member of the Hex Girls. She does. She's work. in the craft, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, but she has like a little blue streak in her hair. Purple. Did you see that? Purple streaks. Oh, it's purple. Purple, purple little streaks in her they hair. They look blue on my TV. Oh, really? Is my TV broken? Maybe. Oh. Well, you better go catch it. That's how the trick goes. <laughs> no, yeah. Is your refrigerator broken, then you better ride it because uh, it's never... Uh, I, I hate this. We're really... Brent, cut that out. (laughs) (laughs) No, keep it in. Um, So Ashley upstages Terry with her piece entitled Poor Thing, which just shows that Ashley is clearly not over the events of the last year. Yeah, clearly this poem is about how she has been socially isolated. Mm -hmm. Although later it's sort of, well, we'll get to it. It's a repurposed this poem into something that's a little different. A little different. Um... But this song's gonna be a little different. <laughs> uh, yeah, Ashley's still not over this. Um, even though she's like has her goth BFF, so she looks cute. I, yeah. I do like this look for it's her. It's a serve, and I, we her, love it. If I saw her and Ellie at the mall, I would be like, "Those are the cool kids. I want to hang out with them." She looks like uh, who I would saw. I maybe already made this joke, but she looks like the people I saw at the Oddities and Curiosities Expo that I went to in LA. <laughs> I don't think is, you mentioned that. <laughs> which is basically just like all like the goth kids from your high school, but they're all grown up and they're with their kids, and it was great, great vibes. Uh, me and my partner were walking in Long Beach, and I was shocked how many fucking goths live in Long Beach. Oh really? I think. Well, here's the thing: is I think adult goths aren't into the uh, LA. Um, like hustle and bustle right. like image conscious culture right. so they just want to go get a cheaper place in long beach have more room walk around and be goths together yeah they just want a place to you know have the space to put all their crystals up yeah yeah so I, if you're a goth living in long beach right in yeah <laughs> tell us about your life yeah if you were a goth who went to the oddities and curiosities expo <laughs> in anaheim let us know <laughs> um so, meanwhile, in yet another inessential subplot... Media immersion, we go over there. The grade eights are giving PowerPoint presentations, and Liberty gives her presentation on JT. Well, there's supposed to be biographies of, like, historical figures, right? And G- Liberty's big joke is that her... It, well, it's supposed to be about your hero, right? Yeah. Because she gets up and says... My hero is JT York, so that's who I did my report on. Yeah, and this uh, PowerPoint includes a slideshow of embarrassing photos, including pictures of his little prepubescent body in a speedo. Yeah, and not that wasn't the only child nudity that <laughs> Liberty exploited for laughter. There was also like him in the bathtub, and it was it was very uncomfortable. Yeah, I'm like, and okay. In JT's defense, I'm like, this seems like bullying to me. This is like cyberbullying without actually uploading like, it on they're Facebook. All, yeah. They're all laughing. Even Mr. Archie, Simpson is Archie laughing. Archie is having a blast. Like, and it's just like, okay, it seems like you're all 
do like he seems like the butt of the joke this doesn't seem like homage this seems like making fun of someone but <clears throat> i just i just don't think she would get a good grade for that no i can't see how there's no information al- well and i can't see a teacher allowing that to happen but whatever um i mean i guess it's okay for punching down on jt <laughs> i guess um so it's no surprise when JT lashes out at Liberty, who is like suddenly very popular and well liked. For yeah, some what reason. the fuck? Everyone's like, "Why are you being so mean to Liberty, our yeah. best friend?" Yeah, it's like <laughs> you all hate Liberty. What are you talking about? <laughs> um, but whatever. That's that. That's the subplot. Um, so back with PMS. Oh my god! When so there's a scene next where Paige is like. This isn't working. I've got to go get Ashley to come out of well, Terry, retirement. Well, Terry, because Terry walks in and she shows up to rehearsal wearing the outfit from the last <gasps> It was a throwback episode. outfit, which yes. I liked. It was yes. the same outfit. It was the same outfit from the first season when we had our musical episode. And Paige is annoyed and tells her to change because she's like, so last season. Mm-hmm. And Terry suddenly has a backbone and sells and tells Paige no. And then very pointedly says... Paige has never understood that word. And it's like the writers oh, are like, yes. no, that, I, I remember that. that and was the writers are like, themes! <laughs> themes! Someone wrote that and was like, well, I think we can go home for the day. They were like, we... they were like all right, when's our Peabody coming in? <laughs> I, I will say, I, I noticed that line and it was subtle. They didn't put too much attention on it. No, it, no it it's good. good. It, it doesn't good. do it. No, they don't like underscore it and italicize it. Like Paige pretty quickly like gives a rhetoric. It's yeah. not, it's not super obvious, but I did notice it and I was like, ah. But then I want to talk about my favorite seed, which is where Paige goes to Ashley's house and Ashley has just become like a full swamp witch in like <laughs> exile. And she goes in there and it's all dark and she's just playing piano alone. <laughs> and I, this is, I wish I could think of a better example because this is clearly a scene parodying the scenes that I'm trying to mention. But there's a scene in the Jason Siegel Muppet movie where they're trying to convince Kermit to come out of retirement, and he very softly plays the Muppet Show theme song, just like oh my five gosh. notes. Oh my god! And I that's love what that she movie. does. And that's what she, Ashley does. She plays. <laughs> you really think we can win? <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> it's good. Is it? Is it? Is it? Well, really good? Uh, speaking of whether things are good or not, I think this is a good Degrassi song, like the song that we end up. With yeah, is one of the better Degrassi songs. I would say it's much better than a lot of downtown Sasquatch songs that we get stuck with. It's um, it's, it's better than Devil in the Moon. I don't remember. I well, Devil in the Moon's the really ska one. So Ashley joins them for their next rehearsal, and she gives them her new, very dark lyrics, yes. which she tells them are about rape, which she's bizarrely jazzed she's, about. Yeah, she's really hyped. She's, and I think that made me a little uncomfortable. <laughs> it's a very bizarre scene. Um, it's like she says, I'm telling you, Ashley has undiagnosed like manic depression because this is another moment where her mood is not matching the stimulus around I, her. I just find it very funny because she's like says with her eyes gleaming and full of wonder. She says, did you know that by the time girls reach university, one in four has been sexually assaulted? There's four <laughs> girls in the room. <laughs> and they're all just like, wow. Oh, it's wild. Yeah. It's nuts. I'm curious if that like I think it's obviously a choice because it's like it's it is like an interesting topic to Ashley because it hasn't affected her yet, you know? Well that's actually here's the thing. It's like as weird as this scene is, I'm like, I could actually totally see a high schooler doing this yes. shit. Where it's like when you are sort of protect well like whether you have just had the privilege of not experiencing trauma, I think trauma can be very like fascinating to you on a level. Like and I think this yeah. is something that we all experience i mean trauma porn like everybody loves the last of us and i'm like it's just trauma porn but okay (laughs) i yeah um (laughs) so like you know it's like we're all fascinated by things when you know they're alien to us and Mm -hmm. we haven't actually had to you know suffer trauma (laughs) and so i and for like a high schooler who's like so into you know she's in her goth era she's like oh i'm so interested in like pain and agony and like in in like very abstract terms like, honestly, I'm like, this is very in character for Ashley, even though it is very weird. And it's very weird. I think the character of Ashley is a good enough writer that she ended up with, like, <laughs> lyrics that I think would be not empowering, but maybe uh, healing or cathartic for uh, a person who has experienced that to hear. Like, I, I, I think that, obviously, 
in a perfect world, she would have stayed in her lane and wrote about being like a socially isolated little girl. Mm. I, th- I, I think it's just a lucky happenstance that this ended up being a good song. Because I think it is. Uh... Yeah, well, we're not staying in our lane right now, so no. she doesn't have to. Yeah. <laughs> I, we should, uh, so the lyrics... Um, yeah, we can we, mention them. Yeah, I didn't write down her poem. We should have, I guess we should have written down her poem. You s- uh, it happens to other people. You say how sad you, you say... Memorized? Yeah. <laughs> she <laughs> says it like ten times. Go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> it happens to other people. You say how sad, you say poor thing, but when it happens to you, it's different, it's everything. And mm. then what she adds when she... Do you have it? Oh, no. Um, well, uh, what she adds is, uh, when she I, I does have, the research, I, is this. I have it. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, so the, the new lyrics, um, you took my body, tore it in half. You took my childhood, my heart, and my laugh. You took everything I kept for myself. Yep. Hmm. And then there's like a, a tag where it's like, something, something, I'm not your poor thing. Which yeah. is, I, I, I'm going to keep saying it. I do like this song. <laughs> I just want to hold on to something that's happy. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't consider this happy, but... It's not happy, it's just a victory, because let's just get into what happens. Well, so Paige is very clearly triggered by this. Yes. And she is not having it, and she demands they perform the original lyrics instead. And, of course, Ashley is just like, okay, Paige being a control freak again, yeah. just like she was with Terry's top, right. so she, I'm not going to take this seriously. Yeah, she blows it off. Yeah. She doesn't understand what's... Paige is actually going through so um and can i tell you the scene where i was like tearing up a little bit but the scene where i actually just sat there and cried for a while was when ashley confronts her in the hallway and it's like i know more about this than you i did research and and Paige just can't even say it she just falls down it's it's a really good moment it's the acting's good i think it's good writing i do think this is some of the better Degrassi writing. Uh, yeah, I think this is a much more effective moment than what we... Sort of the similar scene in the first in the episode. Bathroom, yeah. Yes, with Hazel. Um, well, she's going through stages. This is like... This is... I think more than anything, this is the moment where she really accepts what happened to her. And I think that's why it was so affecting for me to watch it. Yeah, so Hazel has revealed at band rehearsal that she got polyps. And that's yes, why she very can't, funny. And that's why she can't sing to the relief of everyone involved. Well, it's and, funny because she comes in with a sign that says, I can't sing. And Paige is like, girl, you're not that bad. Which <laughs> <laughs> is very funny. Uh, so instead, Ashley gets to sing lead vocals. But Ashley, of course, she insisted on them using her new lyrics, which then leads to the scene that you were discussing yes so they're at the battle of the bands um ellie's in the audience their friends are there they're excited um they're they think they're gonna win and go to la they're already planning what they're gonna do and just as they go out and they are planning to do the old lyrics at this point that is that is still the plan Mm -hmm. they go out there Paige, who wasn't even going to sing sees dean in the audience just sitting there with a friend and he even kind of gives her like a what's up like head nod Mm -hmm. like it like this is just all totally normal which Mm -hmm. i think is horrible gaslighting behavior and she reacts appropriately and this was also a very effective moment for me i felt like she took the power back and she took ashley's words because ashley this hasn't happened to ashley she just happens to be a better poet she took ashley's words she used them to empower herself and she almost, it, literally and figuratively, she exercised Dean from her life for now. Yeah. So I, I liked it. I think it's very powerful when you actually see her singing the song and looking at him leaving. I think that's a great shot. All the acting's good. And again, I like the song. Yeah. Um, where, where was I? Sorry. Um, yeah. So, and as she's performing, Dean exits uh, the venue clearly feeling a little called out by these lyrics um which so here i have another quibble which is i like i know i hear everything you're saying i know that makes for like this makes for a very tidy and a very triumphant ending yes i have a few issues one is like first of all i'm like i'm like why are you here dean like how did you get here i i will speak to this the one time i've ever been to a battle of the bands in high school. Mm-hmm. It was not at my high school. It was at the high school up the road. 
And we went there because our the the popular band from our high school um, was competing in it. Mm-hmm. So I do think there's maybe an aspect of like different bands from around the uh, area. Maybe if one student in the band goes to Degrassi, the whole band is allowed to play there. I don't know. I, I, I think there might be different students there. I mean, it's not like obviously it's like it's plausible that he'd be there, but it's just like, oh, OK, you're here, Um, which is it's convenient, uh, which is fine. But then I'm also like. So the way he, like, reacts to this whole thing is where, like, when he, like, storms off and he's, like, clearly, you know, feels called out. Like, I'm, I am not sure that he has the awareness to, A, like, realize that what, like, her, be aware of her pain and know that he's, she's even speaking to him. And I'm also not sure he would even be aware that what he did was wrong in the first place. I'm curious too. I I do hear what you're saying. I think if you pick apart the moment, then maybe it doesn't work as well because I it's hard for me to imagine him even hearing any words that Paige sang and like actually taking them and thinking about them and mm-hmm. processing them and mm-hmm. thinking what is the meaning behind this. Mm-hmm. So that is that's maybe a bit of a a leap. But I I think in the moment it works. It seals up this storyline for now. And if that was just the end, I would kind of agree with your quibble. But right. as far as just like, let's let's put a bow on this. Right. We'll be back. I, I think it works. Well, yeah, it's I mean, again, like like so I feel like if we had had a scene where we figured out like we, we saw the fallout from um, their night together, like I feel like that would have sort of made place this interaction yeah. in context because we sort of seen like, oh, d- is he aware of what he did? you know was yeah maybe wrong. he's talking to her and telling yeah. her what he what he feels happened yeah I, or is he I act- see what you're saying yeah is he acting super cool after this after, i think that's you know, probably what he did how is she acting to him i don't know it's just uh, without that context it sort of feels like oh okay he's okay. he seems to you know be very aware or, i mean obviously he's in denial about what he did yes but it's like he still is sort of like knows oh she thinks i did something bad in this moment um and i don't know i just sort of like feel like this kind of character would sort of not even, it wouldn't even occur to them to think, oh, they're even blaming me to begin with. Yeah. You know what I mean? So. I think you're right. I don't know. Let's, is there, I, I want to just, let's get all of our last thoughts about this and then let's end on the JT Liberty pointless subplot just so that we can go out on something a little lighter <laughs> and, and we'll call it a day. It, it, I personally feel like I appreciate what this episode is trying to do i don't think it nails it a hundred percent but writing wise i do think this is one of the better written and directed like two-part mm. episodes that we've had mm. so back in the subplot jt and liberty get into a very juvenile fight which culminates in her taking a marker and scribbling all over his locker you want to you want to talk about fucking <laughs> old men writing young people talking <laughs> the insults they throw at each other are so absurd and toothless and not something a person born after <laughs> 1948 would ever say it's it's so crazy it's very i mean it's amusing uh, and i love when she just like takes this marker and she's just like rubbing it all over the locker it's, it's very have you seen do you remember that meme where the girl has like a bag of chips on her head and the caption's like she's so crazy <laughs> do you know no but yeah, i kind of get the vibe you're describing <laughs> that's what this reminded me of sure, when she takes yeah. the marker she's like i'm so crazy and that's kind of her that's kind of her mood when like jt confronts her about exactly. it she's, she's like well she's just... like well i can be i can be crazy too i'm fun is this fun yeah it's pretty funny <laughs> did you think that i feel like she just did a squiggle but it kind of ended up looking like an anarchy so <laughs> Which I was like, oh, kind of look okay, like. Liberty. Tight. <laughs> of the punk movement. Yeah. <laughs> um, so JT winds up getting in trouble with Principal Radich for Liberty's little act of vandalism. And she's pleased with herself until Toby tells her that JT's mom warned that she would make him go to a private school, right? Do you think this is even true? Yeah, I do. It was just so weird because Liberty sits down and is like, well, I guess that's it. They're going to take him out back and shoot him. That was like the vibe. <laughs> yeah. Well, she doesn't want to see him go because she has a little baby crush on him. And so she, Liberty feels remorseful. And then she, this subplot concludes with Liberty telling Principal Radich that she was the one who vandalized the locker. And so JT and Liberty make amends. And he tells her, you're cool. You're cool after all. You're good. What I thought, well, what I thought was funny is, yeah, she does confess to the vandalism and then Radish just hands her the toothbrush that 
they have been you assigned to like clean the graffiti yeah, and then just walks away there's no follow-up questions yeah that's a crazy punishment dude does that is that a real thing Just i think that is you have to clean up the mess that you made with but, a toothbrush though? well i think Not that's really. the way to do it because you want to it's a thin line oh i think okay. that's the oh, okay. you can't just like wipe it with a rag you have to go in there with the permanent mm. marker you have to really go in there mm. and scrub it off i guess that makes sense yeah yeah but i i never have shipped liberty and jt i don't care about this final scene uh i thought it was annoying Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, you're not rooting for these crazy kids. <laughs> I told you I shipped JT and Manny. Let's move on. Oh, interesting. <laughs> I can't wait to get to that. Um, <laughs> so this whole episode concludes with Paige and Ashley in the locker room or in the hallway. And they did not win the battle of the bands. They did not win the contest. But Paige won something more, which is, uh, well, what, what did she win? Her confidence her her uh accepting yeah the things she cannot change well what i i did like is that it ended with her walking into the guidance counselor's office and i think that is the appropriate next step for where she's at on her journey which is now right. you just have to talk about it and talk about it and Process talk about it, it. Yeah. right yeah and do you think she's walking in to see miss sovey we of haven't, course she we is. haven't met miss sovey yet I, is that the first time we see her is when no, she's talking to Paige? we don't see her well, well, well oh we, we don't I, see her this no, episode we don't, i think that is the first time we see her is I in the follow-up episode think. i think in the so. follow-up episode i thought miss sovey was in there way earlier and we have not seen her We've yet not seen her yet i'm sad about it. I'm pretty sure it's the season, but okay. Uh, that would be the end of the season. Okay. But, um, well, look forward to Miss Sauve. So what? What are your final thoughts? Yeah, let's go ahead and like skip the funny bit that we do. What did you learn today? Like, what did we actually learn today? Um, and I learned that I don't think there's any perfect way to portray sexual assault on film. So you just have to be really, uh, you have to be really careful about your intention. I think that's the more important thing for me and i do think their intention here was to tell a story that was like kind of grounded in the reality of now that also does teach a lesson to the younger audience that might be watching it and in that sense i think this is a successful episode Mm. i i learned that talking about this is really hard on a podcast it's hard um i hope uh if if we made any comments that seem out of line, we apologize. We're not uh, coming from a place where we know a ton about this, but I, I, I hope we were respectful and thoughtful. Yeah, I do want to say, this is my last spiel, I suppose. Sure. Um, I feel like a lot of, oftentimes you sort of get rape or trauma more widely as sort of like this tool for character development, mm-hmm. which is... Uh, it's, you know, sort of an icky, it's it's very fraught territory, right? Yeah. Um, Because there's this idea that, like, trauma builds character and, like, you can learn lessons from trauma. And, which is, that's not, like, not true. I suppose sometimes people can learn lessons from trauma. But, like, a lot of the times, more often than not, I feel like trauma just uh, causes you to regress or, you know, it can cause a lot of damage, right? And I do feel like this episode isn't, I will give this episode credit and like, it doesn't quite make this, doesn't do the trope as like rape as like sort of this like transformative, like positive experience. Definitely doesn't do that, which is like, I appreciate that. It doesn't. Which it does like by the end of the episode, you're like, oh, is that what it's doing? But it's like, because Degrassi, because this is not the last time we will visit this, we actually do see that like this is going to have long lasting ramifications for Paige and that it isn't like, and then she learned a lesson and now she's, this has been a humbling experience for her, which is like very easily what this could have become. And I think to the show's credit, it doesn't become like, and then I, you know, experienced something really horrible and I came out of it a better person at the end. Cause that's just like not how trauma works. And it's also just boring and we've seen it before. Yeah. It's, it's not, it's not good. Um, Yeah. I hear you. Um, okay. Well, I, I kind of just want to step away from it on that moment. Obviously this episode went there. Uh, I think this is an example of when Degrassi does go there. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, this episode, I think we were both a little nervous that we saw it coming and, and we, it felt a little like work to talk about it, didn't it? But I think it's good work that we did. I, I I hope it is. No, I felt, I mean, I felt very like, in you know, I mean, I, you know, take this, I mean this in a, you know, 
sincere way. Like, I felt very, like, stimulated talking about this. Like, yeah. I felt like, oh, why do we want to tell, why do we tell these stories? What can people yeah. learn from this? What, you know, I feel like this is sort of Degrassi in its sort of purest form is like, oh, it, it, like, as an educational tool, but also as, like, you know, a piece of entertainment and, like, how does it straddle that line? I don't know. It got me thinking about why this show exists and, like, what its yeah. purpose is. Well, okay. Uh, I think I think we're just gonna leave it there because this. I, I agree. This was a stimulating conversation, and I think we've said what we need to say. I hope you all join us next week for. I hope a lighter episode. Does something fun so. happen next week? I don't know. Oh, I didn't look at the episode. What if it's horrible? You <laughs> oh. don't know. We'll find oh, out. Oh, everybody dies next week. I know it. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> okay. Well, that's the end of this week. Uh, all about Degrassi. Thank you for listening. We'll see I'm, you soon. Yeah, I'm Evan Goodrich. I'm Nick. Bye. Bye. Bye.